getting a bit more information about what's going on with uh, the quote-unquote balloons, objects, whatever you want to call them. Anita Anand, our defense minister in Brussels, Belgium this morning, um, talking to reporters saying that trying to find the object that was shot down over the Yukon over the weekend, um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard to find. Anand says the terrain is extremely rugged. It's extremely remote. The temperature is about minus 25 and there's a lot of snow. She said the recovery effort is difficult, but as I said, we have a number of aircraft in the air. We have people on the ground. We have the RCMP. We have the FBI. We have Canadian Armed Forces members all out assisting in the effort of trying to find this recovery. It was also announced that the United States did better than they had first thought they were going to do with recovering some of the debris from the balloon. We know that one was a Chinese surveillance balloon uh, that was shot down off the coast of the Carolinas last weekend. Uh, They got a lot of that. They managed to recover it. Initially, they had said the more sensitive parts, the sensors, the things like that that they were looking for had been broken and only partially recovered, but it sounds like now they've got most of that. So there's some good news there. The other two, uh, not sure, but we're now up to four. As you know, we've been talking about this shot down uh, over the past 10 days now. And uh, yesterday, Canadian Forces Major General Paul Prevost said the last three objects didn't look anything like the first object that we dealt with. Again, the first object was the Chinese surveillance balloon. We know that. The other ones, one's been described as cylindrical. One's been described as octagonal. So we're still waiting to get a little more information. I did hear a Pentagon spokesman yesterday saying that they think there's a possibility, maybe, that they're completely benign and they weren't owned by any government. They were, in fact, commercial property. So we're going to have to wait and see. Patience is the word of the day here, but there's a lot of questions about what, how does this suddenly happen? And maybe they've always been up there. We just weren't looking for them. Let's get some insight into exactly how these discoveries were made, how they were handled and what the procedure typically is. We're going to chat with Peter Bates, who is a fellow with the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and former political advisor to the commander of NORAD. So he knows of what he speaks. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Hey, not at all. Good morning. So when we talk about the way these four, let's start with, uh, you know, the one over Canada. I think that's the one a lot of people said, well, wait a minute. Why did an American jet have to shoot it down? Why didn't a Canadian jet? Let's just go through when NORAD decides to take action. Well, they don't take the action. They're, they're given the order by whatever government, if it's Canada or the United States. But, but what's the process once an object is detected to the shoot down? How does it work typically? Well, what typically happens is the commander has to decide whether or not the object uh, poses a threat to North America. And you may recall from an earlier interview with General Van Herc earlier in the week, he pointed out that with some of the earlier objects, <clears throat> he could not determine that that was a threat to North America. But after consultation with between the President and the Prime Minister, we decided to deal with them as a, a danger to flight. Um, so NORAD was you know, originally designed to detect uh, incoming military objects, high-speed bombers, missiles, things of that nature. Right. Uh, and the radars were optimized to detect those types of objects. So following the the Chinese balloon, uh, NORAD has recalibrated some of the algorithms used on those radars and has been able to detect these other objects. Right. Uh, the, but let, let me stop you there just for a second. So how did the original yeah. balloon, get, how did the Chinese balloon get detected? Because like you say, I mean, that's why we're finding these other objects. But how did the first one get noticed? Well, the first one was huge. Okay. I mean, the, the sensor package was the size of three buses. Um, so that would have would have certainly shown up on radar. Um, and once they, once NORAD was aware of that particular object, 
they tweaked the radars a bit to look for others. Gotcha. Okay. And now, and like you say, once they detected that, okay, we've got this balloon and they probably spotted, I mean, some people said they saw it with their naked eye over BC. No, so I think, I think that was, that was part of it too. Yeah, exactly. So now they recalibrated and, and that's the reason that, I mean, it's just, they weren't looking for them before. That's why we found three in the last week. It's that simple. Yeah, they weren't looking for it because we didn't um, think that the balloons meandering over the, the airspace of North America posed a, a military threat. Gotcha. Okay. So once they determined that these are something that need to be handled and taken care of and removed from the airspace, that procedure, a lot of people saying, well, why is it American jets? How does that work? Uh, well, what happens is the, the commander and the, the operations center in Colorado Springs will determine um, who is best positioned to respond to that particular uh, object. Um, so there's the Alaska NORAD region, there's the Canadian NORAD region, there's the continental U.S. NORAD region. In this case, the aircraft from the Alaska NORAD region were, were frankly closer to the object and were following it at the time. Uh, as I understand it, our CF-18s from Cold Lake were moving up uh, to join the intercept, uh, but the American aircraft was already there. Right, yeah. So, it's so just... it, it really depends on, on which resources are, are closer to the object to be investigated and or to be responded to. Um, so this basically what we've got here is NORAD working exactly as NORAD was designed to work. This is exactly how it's supposed to be done. Yep, exactly. I mean, there are, there are Canadians and Americans working together on the watch floor, uh, depending on, on the shift um, and what day it might be. It could be a Canadian uh, in command in the ops center. Uh, it could be an American officer responsible. Uh, to let the commander know what's going on and uh, and to await his decision, his or her decision, I should say. So now the process begins in terms of trying to figure out exactly what these were. Um, I mean, that that's that's the other part, I think, where a lot of people are sort of like, yeah. okay, these things are up there, they're flying around. How long has this been going on? How many more are there? And what are they? I mean, those are the questions we need answered now, right? Yep. But I think we need, I mean, it, it's important to, to recognize that the four objects all have very different geometries. Yeah. Uh, and we're flying at, at different altitudes. Um, I would not be surprised if at least one of the objects was some kind of meteorological balloon, uh, and that somebody somewhere is sitting pretty red-faced at the moment. Um, some of them may have been commercial, uh, but we really won't be able to tell more about the objects uh, until they recover some or any of the wreckage. And that's going to be really uh, challenging. Yeah, that's going to be, I mean, by the sounds of what they're talking about, the search in Yukon, it, it's a nightmare. It's, it's, it's going to be, they, they say they may never find it. Well, apparently it's a nightmare in all three cases. I mean, off the coast of Alaska, apparently the wreckage landed on the sea ice. Uh, yeah. So that's going to be a challenge. Uh, in the Yukon, yes, uh, presumably it's going to continue snowing. Uh, so that's going to be tough. And my understanding is the object in Lake Huron uh, dropped into the deepest part of the lake. Might that be part of the reason, uh, Peter, that they decided to delay shooting it down? Is there a possibility that they were studying these while they were still in the air, especially the one that's, you know, we knew about it for a week before it was shot down off the coast of the Carolinas. Would, would it be possible to get some intelligence before shooting it down that you may not get once you do shoot it down? Oh, I think there's, there's no question that uh, they were observing the objects before they fired upon them. Um, they were taking what photos they could. They were looking for any electronic or other emissions from the objects, uh, and those will all be studied. But they're not going to give you the kind of answers, uh, particularly with regard to where they came from, that you'd get if you actually find right. the wreckage. Um, in terms of unprecedentedness, if that's even a word, we've never done this before, right? We have never actually shot down anything in North American airspace by NORAD. 
to the best of my knowledge, in the, what is it, 65 years of NORAD's existence, we have never operationally shot anything down over North America. Wow. Pretty historic. However, NORAD, NORAD has been prepared to deal with objects, including derelict objects. You may recall the case some years ago of the American golfer whose airplane uh, yes. basically went rogue. Um, so NORAD tracked that to determine that it was not a danger to people on the ground or to or to flight, uh, and tracked it until eventually, unfortunately, it crashed in the northern United States. Yeah, I do remember that case, yeah. Uh, certainly great. for cases like that, NORAD could have responded could have. if necessary. And have. I mean, we've, we've scrambled jets before. I know that. It's just a matter of whether yeah. or not they've actually taken action. No, they, well, they've, they've taken... It depends on what you mean by action. I mean, during the 80s, obviously, NORAD was involved in the war on drugs. And in those instances, NORAD would, would track incoming drug-bearing aircraft, including one that I believe landed in New Brunswick, uh, and track the aircraft uh, and ba- basically directed law enforcement to meet them when they got to the ground. Wow, okay. I didn't know that. Interesting. All right. But in terms of actual kinetic action firing a weapon, as far as I know, these are the first times that NORAD has done it operationally. I mean, do you anticipate there'll be more? I mean, I guess, is there any way of knowing how many of these things may be up there? And once we get a better understanding, maybe they are benign and we don't need to be taking as much action, or are we going to have to change the way we do things to... Because, I mean, how do you determine if the balloon is a spy balloon or just a weather balloon? Well, part of it involves, I mean, there there needs to be certain, uh, I guess, changes in regulation and the manner in which we we manage our, our civilian airspace. Right. Uh, as I said, my expectation is at least one of these objects was a meteorological balloon of somebody's providence. Uh, it's quite possible possible some of the others were commercial or private. Um, they're different geometries, different sizes. Uh, there's been an effort in Canada and the United States for some time to regulate the use of smaller drones, um, which NORAD has also had to respond to in the past. Uh, so, yes, there are going to be more of these objects. Uh, obviously, this type of, of surveillance platform, uh, the larger drones have enormous commercial possibilities, agriculture, um, mining, uh, things like um, surveillance of rail and rail and, and road lines to make sure they're in, in good condition and, and whether or not they need maintenance. That can all be done from these types, various types of drones, uh, and there are going to be more and more of them. In terms of NORAD's readiness, there's been a lot of talk about that and the fact that a lot of things have been neglected with NORAD. Is this, uh, I mean, we know we are doing some strengthening and some building up of NORAD, but are we so far behind that we'll be able to handle, like you say, more and more of this? Um, well, neither neither the United States or Canada have, have invested, uh, in my opinion, adequately in NORAD right. for some time. Yeah. Uh, Minister Nan's announcement last year of the extra billions that will go into NORAD is a good first step. Uh, but certainly the, the radars that we're using uh, are aging. Their ability to discriminate is limited compared to what is possible today. Um, but as we've seen, uh, I mean, the other issue is uh, whether or not we have the aircraft and the weapons required to respond to these types yeah. of situations. Uh, people complain. I mean, certainly the, the, the Royal Canadian Air Force is much smaller than it, than it was in the past. Uh, and as we've seen uh, in Ukraine, uh, the Western world as a whole is uh, surprisingly short of weaponry. We decided we were going to, you know, we weren't going to fight war anymore. Well, uh, it's still out there. Yeah, exactly. And coming to our airspace, at least. Um, Peter, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Hey, not at all. Happy to help. Thank you very much. That is Peter Bates, who is a fellow with the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and a former political advisor to the commander of NORAD.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.